Brian Talks to Humans, a people's podcast about everyday people. This episode has a lot of interview content, so I'll, I'll keep the intro short. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can do about, you know, life updates and, you know, things that have been going on with uh, work or, you know, this journey I'm on to kind of unpack what it means to be, you know, neurodivergent and, and build a life um, that that fits my brain, you know, uh, as as best I can. But Maybe we'll we'll save that for other times. Although you know, I talk a little bit about it too in in the interview itself. Um, interviewed my friend Rosie, uh, just a great person uh, with uh, great energy, and you know, I think uh, all the vibes uh, come through. We cover a lot of ground, um, a lot of uh, a lot of topics. You know, I've seen recently some pushback against using uh, uh, trigger warnings and and pushback from like the right people you know not from you know not from the mouth breathers but um and i and i get where it's coming from but uh, for, for the sake of at least you know since a lot of people aren't there or you know just to just to be safe you know we we talk about a lot of stuff including you know mental health issues uh death um eating disorders uh, sexual assault you know uh so heavy topics so you know just just know that uh, going into it. Um, all right. Well, I hope you enjoy this one and, and find it as, as fascinating as I did. Oh, and we're going to be doing this in a few parts because it was, it was a long interview. So this is uh, part one, and I think I'm going to make this into three different mini episodes. So enjoy. You know, cool. fuck it. Who cares? All right, folks. Welcome yeah. to uh, finally a new episode of Brian Talks to Humans, a people's podcast about everyday people i am here with a, a newer friend of mine uh from the true north strong and uh rosie rosie how you doing great i'm great today it's friday yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that that means anything for me really <laughs> our dark day is monday i mean Sunday. so yeah i'm good I i'm good today it never means anything for me in the summer. So, yeah. Yeah, fair. Yeah. So I know Rosie from a low website called Flow Club. Do you want to uh, tell the millions of listeners what Flow Club is and how we met and why you love it and all that jazz? I absolutely do. Um, Flow Club is, um, I'm a research nerd. So in discovering that I was, neuro spicy and doing uh nine months of a uh, very niche group therapy uh for queer neurodivergent humans um one of the things they talked about was body doubling and i live in the country in a, in a tiny island and in a small house and i don't want people it really it, in my space so, um they mentioned virtual body doubling so i did my nerdy research and found nine different <laughs> websites that offer virtual co-working virtual body doubling etc i tried them all and flow club was absolutely definitely my favorite um april 10th i started and i just <laughs> just celebrated my 900th session do not do that math it is bad it's august now <laughs> anyway um so it's a 
a virtual co-working or body doubling space where you can be in a session with up to eight people and it can be a half an hour up to three hours. There are a few different themes. Um, any time of the day, literally, there is a flow happening. Um, and uh, it has absolutely changed my life in every aspect with work, with taking care of the house, with self-care and accountability for doing things my therapist says I should do and helping me keep up, helping me keep up with the things I'm really bad at, like mm -hmm. um, friends and social life and cleaning and bathing and whatnot. <laughs> uh, it literally, there's a before and an after flow club. Um, so that's where we met. Um, and you're definitely one of my favorite people because uh, you're real and open and I always feel like you never put, I mean, I guess, yes, we're all masking all the time, but I do feel like you're honest about who you are and what's going on for you that day. Yeah, that's always been a, for better or for worse, as far as, as far as I know, <laughs> with, with, with that kind of, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, I feel things strongly and quickly and it's hard for me to, you know, especially now that I've kind of given myself the, you know, the more I learn about my brain and neurodivergence and just sort of giving myself more of that freedom, you know, to not. Yeah. Um, so I saw a meme the other day that was like, oh, I don't look autistic. Well, I've been running how to act like people expect dot exe for however many years and it's burning up my ram and my cpu like you know so i mean that's right so i'm just kind of like 100 percent letting it fly a little bit more and you know seeing seeing what I, it's easier for me to do as a white cis hetero guy for sure um but you know uh you know and a lot less exhausting yeah to not to not i mean i i feel like um being on is bred into me naturally just being in theater but um uh I'm trying to let it go a little bit more uh, but I feel also just personality wise it's kind of my it's kind of me too just being um really animated and cheerful and loud and not um subtle <laughs> right yeah no I would definitely agree and and I would say that as I've gotten older that's been less and less the case for me so um trying to trying to see what i've actually um so i bought a few new pairs of glasses they're on the way they're from this company called pair where like you mm -hmm. get like a base frame and then you basically get seven pairs for like the price of three because what you do is you get a top thing that like magnetically clicks onto the front <gasps> and so like you have new glasses every day right so oh i've got some amazing. more expressive things i'm going to kind of lean into that we'll see um start with, start with baby steps right <laughs> like colorful stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not oh always my, God, my like exciting. thing, you know. These are green, yeah. but you can barely tell. Um, but yeah, so yeah. Those are not green. Yeah, they are. It's the the color is rosemary crystal, right? And it's like nobody nobody can tell they're green, you know, because definitely they, they look purple, if anything. Come across as something else, you know, gray <laughs> or whatever. So do you, I don't know if you remember, but I remember the first time I was on Flow Club with you, you were hosting. It was like an afternoon session. And you were mm -hmm. sitting, sitting, I think, in the chair that you were in now, but you were unmuted. 
and you had like, oh, no. a whole five minute phone call going on the oh, whole no. time. And like, I'm, it was only like, I was the only one trying, but I was unmuting that like, Rosie, you're not muted. Rosie, you're not muted. And like, I don't know if you didn't hear or whatever, but like, I came away with like, whoa, what the fuck is up with that lady? She's a, she's a piece of work, right? <clears throat> but, you know, and then found myself just loving being around you. So, you know, I just, oh, God. Yeah, you know, it's sort horrifying. of very- <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, I wonder, Jack, what was that all about? <laughs> Oh dear! Don't answer that. Don't answer that. I don't want to know. I don't even like. It wasn't anything that you wouldn't want said. Otherwise, I would remember that part of it. But yeah. Oh, fair. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It was like work shit, you know. That's yeah, yeah. So, you are in Atlantic Canada, where um, the and the only thing I know about that is like newfies and uh, you know, um, you know, shit you see in pop culture, Trailer Park Boys, and uh, yep. You know, yes. and everything's maritime and. Uh, you know. No, actually, Newfoundland and Labrador is not maritimes. The maritimes exclude Newfoundland and Labrador. Oh, I didn't mean the time zone, just like the culture, oh, okay. you know, like, like <laughs> no. mar- maritime, yeah. agricultural, urban. Yeah, like, so yes. I just picture everybody is just like, whatever, fishing for cod and whales and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, not whales, but. Like one of my best friends is a lobster fisher yeah. in the summer. And yeah, actually one of my favorite stories about this place, cause I'm not an Islander. That's another thing. I'm a CFA, which is a come from away. You cannot be an Islander if you were not born here. So oh, you are wow. a CFA. Like the, the big, the big bad label. Um, although because I'm from Stratford, Ontario. Come from away sounds like it should be a sea shanty. Like. Well, it is a musical. It is a very famous um, oh. musical, um, and it's based on it's based on uh, when during nine eleven the planes had to land in Newfoundland mm-hmm. at the Little Gander Airport, and it's about Gander, the little town, um, and its people welcoming all these stranded people and feeding them and housing them and all of that. Come from away, you mm-hmm. should check it out. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, one of my favorite stories is that, obviously, I think just certainly in Canada and the States, lobster is quite a delicacy, quite an upscale sort of thing one might order uh, for a special occasion. And here, kids get made fun of if, like, they have lobster in their lunch. Because it means like you're poor because your dad's a lobster fisherman. This is the old times, but yeah, oh, there's wow, a lot, yeah. lot of people I work with that were like, yeah, they. I used to have lobster rolls in my lunch, and I get made fun of. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it is funny that way, right? Like some people are like, oh yeah, it's just like the cockroach of the sea, and like, but like in some places, you know, it's like a yeah, sign of, yeah. Uh, I was swimming with baby lobsters at a beach the other day for the first time in my life. And it was the cutest, most adorable little thing. Um, I don't eat lobster, but um, I, I moved when I moved here, I was a vegan and slash moving back to vegetarian world. And 
I figured they'd make me like walk the plank or something if I didn't eat some kind of seafood. Um, and it's hilarious. What I fell in love with was raw oysters of all things, like the most extreme form of seafood eating, <laughs> I feel like, because like they're alive when you eat them. <laughs> but I adore them and I have a little book that I keep track of all the different kinds that I try. And um, yeah, so vegetarian well, the world is your oyster and oysters are an aphrodisiac <laughs> so works for me <laughs> um but uh you know before you you uh landed uh, where you landed you were um you were popping around um the true north uh for for a while there you 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 uh you know uh, in in the u.s i don't know what they have it in canada but we have like a phrase like army baby like you went and like you just moved mm. from army base to army base and 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 that sort of thing you were uh you were a theater kid or theater yeah baby. similar yeah, yeah true yes um i was born into a theater family um in stratford ontario where there's the stratford shakespeare festival my full name is rosalind uh because my father was stage managing as you like it the year I was conceived, which is not really information that, like, they really could have told me in a different way. <laughs> like, you were born when it was playing or something. Anyway, she's a fabulous um, heroine to be named after. So um, I, I love that, that name. Um, but my mom knew she always wanted to call me Rosie, not Rosalind. But it is nice. It is nice working in theater and having a theatrical namesake. It's it's great. Uh, plus, she was a sort of a drag king in a way. So we love that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we popped around while I was young uh, because my dad was stage managing the national tour of cats in the 80s. So the one liner is that I was raised by gay men and ballerinas. <laughs> rather than hanging out with like kids my age um and it's much cheaper to put a kid in an audience it shows a week than it is to uh, hire a babysitter that's over um so vancouver and toronto and montreal uh were all spots i started yeah i started school in montreal and so your your babysitter was uh oh you're gonna you're gonna i'm a i'm a heretic for not knowing the name I was going to say Dr. Zayas, but that's Planet of the Apes. Mr. Mistopheles or something? Is... Yes, Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah. Yeah, very yeah. well Very well done. Impressive. <laughs> Dr. Zayas is the Simpsons. It's not even an actual no, no, it's it's, Yeah, it's Planet of the Apes, Dr. Zayas. Oh, the character okay, name. That's like, I was, it came up in my head as that, like, no, it's not Dr. Zayas. What's next in the in the list? Oh, yeah. Mr. Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> Love it. Oh, he was one of my favorites though, because he was magic. Yeah, we love mm. we love that. Yeah. yeah. I remember uh, as a kid in the 80s growing up with like cats commercials nonstop, you know, at the Winter really? Garden Theater, the longest running yeah. show. I just like, yeah, I just yeah, always amazing. Of... Actually, the Winter Garden Theater is my favorite theater in Canada. Yeah, the Elgin and Winter Garden. It's a two two-story theater in Toronto. Mm -hmm. uh, what the last of its kind uh, pretty incredible space um yeah so then we ended up back in stratford um where i did the rest of elementary the end of elementary yeah 
half of elementary and high school. And while my dad was working at the Shakespeare Festival, and I also worked there, um, spent a lot of time backstage there. Um, so, yeah, theater is in my blood. Right. And you, you were saying before that, you know, when we were talking before we, we hit record that sort of, you know, acting adult and being around theater people and being quirky and, and things like that kind of might have been a reason that NeuroSpicy slipped through the cracks. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think that if I had I been in, um, I don't know, nursery school or or around other kids, I think it would have been pretty noticeable that I was different, quirky, as you say. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was alone a lot of the time, um, just hanging out in a dressing room or or hanging out with adults at theater parties or yeah, I read a lot. Um, yeah, I think I'm not I'm not sure about social development. Like I think I just skipped development. <laughs> I was just instantly an adult and that's mm. how I conducted myself um, so many of us are like called it's like the old soul to i'm barely an adult pipeline you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. so many of us seem older when we're younger yes. and then yes. when we're we're older we're like oh my god i'm a, i have to be a functioning adult and like we're not <laughs> you know yeah I, yeah. yeah but um, we learn to seem like it very early <laughs> yeah um yeah. and, and you, say, you were and you were also on another pipeline the uh the the gifted kid to uh to adhd <laughs> pipeline yes yeah. um i was also gonna add that because of being raised by gay men and ballerinas i didn't like i didn't clock that that gay was a thing really mm -hmm. it was just part of the people that I knew. So I remember not, I remember being surprised at some point in school when pe people reacted to a gay couple or I don't know, learning about homosexuality or something. And people didn't, people thought it was weird or people thought it was not okay. Like I remember that being what, what are they talking about? Anyway, yes, pipeline. So the way it worked in Perth County, Board of Education was you were tested in grade three and streamed wherever you belonged. So whether that was down to, you know, remedial classes and um, extra help or um, learning disability classifications or whatever. And I was tested and determined to be gifted and ooh, how they treated that at the time <laughs> treated <laughs> Uh, was you were taken out of the regular classroom once a week um, and you went to the local high school with a bunch of other kids from other schools who had also been streamed out. I think there were about a dozen kids in the class and we basically got to explore whatever we wanted to do. There was like there was a beginning and an end to the day and you know, it was really scary because we had to eat with the high school kids in the cafeteria when we're like grade four. And so grade four, it was Wednesdays, grade five, it was Thursdays and grade six, it was Fridays. And um, 
in a, in your normal class, somebody disappearing a day a week is, is pretty obvious. And so, yeah, I was pretty mercilessly teased and bullied for being the smart kid. Um, and then at home, parents also <laughs> expected perfection, which is, uh, it is what it is. But yeah, like if I got 99 on a test, it'd be like, oh, what happened to that 1%, Rosie? What, what did you do wrong? How are you going to not repeat this mistake? <laughs> um, but yeah, like I got to make up my own spelling test words while the rest of the normal class, you know, all had the teacher reading these same 10 words that they tried to spell. I would give the teacher my own set of 10 words and we'd do it some other time. But the kids, the other kids were all aware of this stuff, which was difficult, I guess. Um, But I also think it was integral in my life of um, being allowed to be curious and explore the things that I love to do. And it was definitely when I started sharing my love for theater with non-theater people, because um, when uh, in the gifted class, if somebody wanted to go to do something, the whole class would do it. So I also did the things that the computer nerds or the, you know, science nerds wanted to do. And all those kids had to do a play that I wrote and directed and did the costumes for. <laughs> so, yeah, that was um, it. It was wonderful, and which I, would, I don't. Which probably helped with. I, I mean, I I'm just kind of conjecture here, but a lot of us um, are able to be social chameleons, you know, and adapt the you know things that we need to adapt to get by in certain. And so like that, I think, you know, is sort of a two-way relationship, you know, that experience yeah. would, have, would have fed that. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And I am still friends with a few kids from that gifted class and I'm friends with no one <laughs> from normal class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I was, uh, when I was that age, I went to unfortunately Catholic school from kindergarten through 10th grade and in the, the Catholic, you know, elementary school. Ugh. You know, they they asked my parents if they wanted me to skip first grade. And, you know, the, you know, my mother was like, no, nah, social, whatever, you know. Mm. And but, you know, as things whatever, like as you get older and like, you know, you're in fourth grade and you're doing the reading with the fifth graders and you're doing math with the sixth graders and and that sort of thing. And, you know, whatever, like it, it just the way that, that people see you, you know, and and just the whole just you know, I didn't have at home the sort of where did that 1% go? Why only a 99? But I certainly learned quickly from the world that like in a very behaviorist way, you know, you do X, you get a pat on the head, you know, external mm-hmm. motivation, you get the gold star, you get your name, like literally on the chart on the closet fucking <laughs> door, you know, yeah. the top spelling score that week and shit like that, you know, and but yeah, it's a double-edged sword. You know, I remember one time being at a kid's birthday party and, you know, whatever, I was like nine or something like that, or actually eight maybe. And somebody was like, you know, so-and-so is the smartest kid in the class or something like that. And I said, but my grades were like higher that week or something like that. You know, don't you think I am? And like, whatever, they literally kicked me in the butt. And I remember having to like go upstairs to... Wow. They, they didn't just kick me in like the 
the cheek. They kicked me in the booty hole, you know? And I remember, oh, I remember like going up to the parents and like having to like sit out the activities for a while and explain to them what happened, you know? And it's like, here's this kid saying, oh, I got kicked in the butt because I said I was smart. <laughs> I don't know what the hell they thought was going on, but wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe that's a maybe that's a boy girl thing, but I was never physically bullied. Mm. I just had like, I beat the smart kid and mm. like, you know, being called names. Uh browner was like a big brown one. Nose? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brown nose or teacher's pet, blah, blah, blah. And though for, I was the teacher's pet, I I won't lie about that. Yeah, I was um, the opposite, right? I was the person who like scored ninety nines on the test, but in, like in behavior, like I was a I was a terror. You know, ooh. I was I was that I was that kid when I was oh. younger. You know, like the oh, left side the left side of my report card was like math and reading and whatever right. all, all straight A's, <laughs> and the right side of the report card was like the behavior stuff, and it was all like unsatisfactory needs improvement like you know so. yeah did you were you like class clown or were yeah. you like trouble? both you know I was just yeah I was you know and I, I they did the whole like maybe he's not being challenged or whatever thing you know yeah. but whatever it was the 80s it was catholic school you know what what knowledge and resources were there you know so yeah um and as you're sort of moving through this you know you know time in your life you've you've got a, a, a lot going on, you know, you've got, um, uh, uh, death, deathly allergic to, to tree nuts, right. The, you know, um, yeah. the, 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 the bullying, the, um, figuring out where you are in the world because you're, you know, different and, you know, why is everybody queer antagonistic and, and that sort of thing. And so I think it, it and, and then there was, you know, I think something that happened with your family and, and things kind of like developed in a way that, you know, you, you were said, um, you know, you, you um, kind of led to disordered eating, you know, as, as a, yeah. I don't know if that was yeah. a coping mechanism or I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to put you on the couch, but like, I'm looking at my notes here and seeing like, boom, boom, boom. And then like, it's kind of all leads yeah. to this, like, wow, you know? Yeah, I think, um, Definitely coping mechanism and definitely um, grasping for control somewhere. So um, at that point, sort of as we're preteen, teen-ish, my dad had taken another job where he was touring again. But um, at that point, I had a sister. She was born when I was almost seven. Um, So... Uh, my sister was born, so we were not going to tour around with him anymore. Um, so he's gone and, um, we, we learned when earlier that I was, uh, severely allergic to tree nuts, like topically too. So, you know, on the playground, kids play with black walnuts and they kind of stinky, like stink bombs or they throw them at each other. And then they come in from recess and touch the, the doors to the school and then I'd come in and touch the doors and you know go into anaphylactic shock so yet again something that separates me from the kids or it'd be hilarious to throw them at me and oh yeah I said not physically bullying but maybe this is (laughs) anyway um so like 
not only having to be hypervigilant about anything that goes in my mouth, it do, you do not put it in your mouth if you have not read the ingredient list. Um, so uh, food was an easy already something I had to be hypervigilant about. I think it was an easy uh, transition to um, what I got obsessed about, I think. So at the time, when I was 13, uh, we were visiting my dad and uh, I found out that he was having an affair uh, and I was the one who told my mother uh, at his request. So that was not ideal <laughs> and uh, pretty traumatic. And that was that happened the day we flew to Disneyland. <laughs> and so I just had a great time at Disneyland. It was so Magic Kingdom, <laughs> all right? Oh, man. Man, it's so bad. <laughs> um, so that sucked. Hey, and Rosie, like, tell your father. That's <laughs> awful. Are we having fun? <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so my parents got divorced uh, shortly thereafter. Um, my sister never knew about the, uh, cheating. So that is a bit of a blessing. And, um, so she was able to have a great relationship with, uh, uh my father's partner and, uh, who he is still with today. And she is one of the country's best stage managers. Um, but I, um, I, I will always find it difficult. Um, I respect her professionally, but I, I can't personally um, figure out how to get over what she did or what they did. Um, anyway, so that was 13. Um, and the, around the same time as when the eating disorder starts to develop, anorexia and bulimia. Um, get it like everything else that ADHD people do or autistic people do we dive in real deep real fast um so I was very sick and and over the years I went to multiple hospital programs and treatment programs and over yeah over my teen years it was it definitely took over my life um at the same time as I'm excelling at school and in touring to Europe with bands and choirs and dance troops and stuff so um it's funny I think because of that I I don't have a whole lot of good like not good I don't have memories from that time because I didn't have the nutrition or brain function to actually put them down so I know I did all of these things through pictures and stuff but I don't actually have very clear memories of the stuff that was going on um the first time I was raped was during my teenage years. And so I do think that by the time I was sort of 16, 15, 16, 17, well, no, not 17 yet, but um, definitely my parents had already sort of written me off as she's, she's doomed. Like we've tried everything. She's going to die. Um, uh, my sister's thriving. She's living in my shadow though. Cause she was not, um, she was not gifted as I was, um, mm. but she excelled at sports and stuff. Um, so, uh, this is yeah. like actually oddly kind of similar to 
to you know me and my brother during the same kind of years you know of my life yeah like for me it was you know it wasn't disordered eating or whatever it was uh it was alcohol and drugs for sure you know from oh, wow age 14 to 24 14 um, yeah and <clears throat> and yeah you know it, it it's like i know like a lot of it like um is you know you lose your inhibitions and you lose your control but there's a certain control in it be like kind of the same way that people who who do like um you know who self-harm like you know cutting and stuff like that. it's like you control your pain yep you know um you 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 know and um and yeah you know my brother was i don't want to say in my shadow but like i was the one still excelling at school you know but he was you know certainly easier to handle and you know better at sports and 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 that sort of thing and i was um you know i was kicked out of my house and dropped out of high school by the time i was um you know 16 and a half you know so um i don't you know i, I was i was kind of on that same road like you know i didn't think i'd live to 30 so yeah 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 same um yeah i would say i had written myself off too um and was also really sort of frustrated that nothing had worked like including i did you know canada's best children's hospital sick kids in toronto and you know multiple doctors and specialists and all of the, all of the programs um yeah so then i'm it's 11 days before my 17th birthday party um it's birthday not party party comes later um and my dad was visiting and uh, my sister was a tomboy as i said and my dad hadn't had a harley and she wanted to be like him so much and so he bought her a mini bike um and so she was 10 and the legal age for riding a mini bike in ontario was 14 um, but he bought it for her and took her to a schoolyard near Stratford um, and let her ride it alone. And she rode into a fence with a chain that was at neck level and um, died. Um, and I, he disappeared, basically. Um, he called me, sort of said there was an accident. I knew, I figured out he was at the hospital. My mom was out of town shopping for my birthday. <laughs> so I showed up to the hospital alone and um, dealt with a really traumatic and bloody um, dead sister. Um, my mom did arrive later in the afternoon or early evening, um, but I was the one that made the decisions about um, things like donating Becca's organs um and stuff uh so that was that was that's that was that's a big drama that's a big t trauma um and a few days after that my mom looked at me and said you have you have to give me a year you can't you you were the dying one and now Becca's dead and you need to give me one year and where I cannot worry about you when this has happened um do you remember how that felt? So that was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, there um, you go. Yeah, a lot of pressure. I realized I muted you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, so that was a lot of pressure, but I did it. 
a year and three days later, I went into a residential treatment program in Guelph uh, at Homewood Health Center, which is a multidisciplinary treatment uh, facility or sanatorium, as it said in the elevators. <laughs> um, and I was there for eight months and it saved my life for sure. Um, what what did you learn there or what experiences there turn like turned it around and 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 saved your life you know so you know for me my first exposure to um recovery from my stuff was you know 12 step and i mix that in with what i do now right but like i what what was going on in in that particular center that like where things where things clicked you know and it and it it saved your life i don't think i've ever been asked that question before (laughs) um Once you got, you know, like when you go into say for rehab and it's your, and it's really bad, there is a sort of detox um, phase first. Um, I would say there's sort of a similar though. There was a similar period where it was kind of about getting me, like I was actually not at an officially acceptable weight for that program yet. Um, it, they let me in, especially for some reason. I don't know if I can't remember because I was too sick to have memories, <laughs> but um, they let me in at a lower weight than they should have. And um, the refeeding process um, and getting my brain back online over the first few weeks where you're really not allowed to do anything besides lie in bed and eat (laughs) on weight was horrific. I would assume like a detox is, but um, it got my brain back online and able to think. And they had a million different types of therapy. So it, it wasn't just like we did group therapy, we did individual therapy, we did horticulture therapy, we did other types of art therapy and exercises about, you know, body image. And it was a, it was its own wing. Um, and the, the rigidity of some stuff, I think, really worked for me. And you got a little bit of control, um, but just a little bit. And so having, I guess, having to let go of control was probably a big part of it. And not realizing I'm not, I'm not alone mm. was a big part of it. Um, also, the trauma therapy part of it was probably hugely helpful. It's the first time I did EMDR, um, that style of therapy. I forget what it stands for every time. The the thing where like you've got uh, something covering your eyes that light up, something in your ears, each ear that beeps, and like eggs in your hand that vibrate. And um, and I think what happens is that it it takes care of one part of your brain and the other part of your brain works on desensitizing to intense traumatic events. So, 
for me, that was like flashbacks about seeing my sister um, and flashbacks about um, stuff with my dad and sexual um, stuff. So getting over that and nightmares and visual associations with the sensory stuff. It's sensory stuff. Whoa, I just figured that out. <laughs> Wild. Uh, yeah, so all of that, I would say, helped. And also total removal from your life. Yes. So eight yes. months is a yeah. long time. So I'm going to do um, that thing um, where um, the, the neurodivergent person makes it about themselves to show empathy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, I did that too. I, right? <laughs> uh, you know, like, you know, it's just how we, like, a neurodivergent conversation is just a loop of people going, that reminds me of, that reminds me of. But, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, so uh, when I went into, I, I did do rehab, but it was a, a court order uh, rehab. Um, as part of the, the the thing that got me sober was uh, was a third um, drunk driving offense in like the span of seven years. Um, oh. Yeah, and in in New Jersey, it's not a um, like misdemeanor or felony; it's a moving violation. You know, it's like it's literally like a DMV thing, like a speeding ticket or or whatever, right? You know. I mean, obviously it's treated differently, but it, it's in that category. And so the trade-off for it not really being, you know, a felony or anything like that in New Jersey is that you get like long suspensions, like long license suspension, lots of fines and shit like that. And, you know, potentially six months in jail. And at that time, the, the judge could replace the six month in jail with inpatient, outpatient and community service. So that's what, you know, they did for me. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not under any illusion. I was a you know, middle-class white dude, you know, whose family friend was a lawyer. So I could have a lawyer with me, like, you know, it's the criminal injustice system. So, you know, I'm sure whatever. Right. But so I didn't go to jail, but like by the time, you know, all that happened, like the court and the appointments and all that jazz, like I already put together 45 days clean and they were like about to not let me in the rehab because like, they're like, you're not like fucked up enough. (laughs) wow right you know i was kind of reminded of that when you said they almost didn't let you in 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 in, into yours and and yeah and so when i was there i really did um you know you get to take a break from your life and you get to and i just learned so much i was a sponge for information about all sorts of things related to addiction like you know, um, I remember learning about like King baby syndrome and all this, like things that you wouldn't get just going to meetings, you know, which exactly. I mean, like, I, you know, I love the people, you know, there, but like, I needed that. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm that, I'm that straight A student. I needed to sit in the front and be the annoying exactly. student at rehab and like learn because I wanted to live, <laughs> you know, yeah, because uh, yep. uh, most people who were there didn't come in off 45 days clean. Right. You know, Right. They, they come in drooling, nodding off a of heroin. Right. So um, and when you were talking about EMDR, right, which yeah. is, by the way, eye movement desensitization, desensitization and reprocessing. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, it reminded me of fish. Um, so when I see fish, there's like two ways that the music is very meditative and mindful for me. And one of the ways is I the the way that I kind of say it is it's a valve where like there's this part of my brain that can let out pressure as it like um, receives the sounds, the lights, you know, my bodily movement and that sort of thing. So that the driver in my head 
can then like focus. And there's so many times in, in like a fish show where I'll just be like thinking about my life and coming to like insights and answers <laughs> about things. Right. And, and it's right. It's an, it's a totally unnatural thing away from your life. Where, where else would you stand up with 20,000 people facing something? Right. Yes. You know, and it gives my brain time to like, you know, and that, and, and, you know, so when you're talking about like holding these eggs and the mass and so that like, I'm like, wow, that kind of sounds like. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I wonder, cause that's another, that's another thing we bonded on was a mutual love of fish. And uh, one of the reasons that I enjoy fish so much is because it is so, um, now obviously not every song or every album, but most of the songs I like are really, really, like there's a thousand things going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah like so it's sensory like not overwhelming but it keeps stimulation yeah it keeps all the little tendrils out of my brain busy because this one's listening to that and watching that or Mm -hmm, hearing mm -hmm. other weird sound and so yeah and then uh, yeah I think I do think about other things or or I find it relaxing Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when we play music in in flow cup right like the idea yeah. is that like, you know, all right. You ever been at like a part, obviously you've been at a party, but like the good music at a party is when you never notice the music. Yeah. Cause like it's there, but it's just like, whatever it is, it's just like the vibe. It doesn't distract you to like go exactly. sing it or say it's a bad song. We got to change it. Right. So like when we're in flow, you know, that's True. like what's happening, you know, right? when we play the music through the, through the computer, it like does that and it's like oh now my central you know my cortex right it can my yeah. my frontal cortex can focus on like this thing i gotta do instead of like all the other because that's yeah, been, yeah, yeah. that's been satisfied by like the music does that make sense totally a hundred percent yeah um absolutely uh that's very interesting it's the same as like um restaurants or um grocery stores <laughs> music like yeah mm-hmm. um right like i mean i hardly ever don't notice that but if it's if it's really bad especially at restaurants or it doesn't fit the vibe like mm-hmm. oh it's uh, that's a pet peeve that's a big pet peeve but mm-hmm. i do the they have um sensory friendly grocery shopping hours at mm-hmm. the store that's closest to my house so i love that love it so much <laughs> i learned about that in in reading unmasking autism that that oh, exists nice. these sensory things yeah uh i as long as the the grocery store isn't too crowded i can deal because it scratches that part of my brain where i go like basically through the supermarket in like the same exact path every time and mm-hmm, pick up mm-hmm. basically the same food every time yeah. you know what i mean it's, it's like that yeah. familiar order kind of thing going on yes so like you know obviously if there was like a you know weird like sound that I didn't like request and control like I would be like you know I do a jump scare but like I'm yeah. cool like like the overhead fluorescent lighting like I'm cool you know like I, it's it's fine yeah hmm. yeah it's like Tuesdays from seven to nine or something where I am which is a.m or p.m p.m okay yeah so it's kind of like, yeah, it's perfect. I love it. Um, they do sometimes yeah. the senior only shopping around here, like, but like 
reverse, like 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Right. We actually did our, we do relaxed performances here. Uh, We've done them since 2019 um, at the Charlottetown Festival here where I work, um, which is a sensory friendly version of the shows we do. Um, So I kind of lead that with our artistic director and we do a pre-show speech that sort of explains that a relaxed performance means that there's no more of these uh, precious theater rules. If you need to move around in the theater, go for it. If you if you need to vocalize, do it. If you <clears throat> need to get up and stretch or need to have an electronic device or fidgets or whatever, do your thing. And um, we keep the house lights on, the ones in the audience at <clears throat> about half for the whole show. We eliminate any like sudden noises or snap cues that go into blackouts and um, any lights that are like too quickly flickering, we slow down, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And it's one of my favorite things we do. That's the other thing. When I went to finish this, this run at MSG, I, the, the third night I brought my travel size, um, you know, roller thingy. Yeah. Game changer. Like it was all like, like the negative aspects of being there, which are sometimes like the crowding, you know, like the, the people who aren't, who are being rude or whatever, like those sorts of things, or, you know, like it it just made dealing with that a lot easier. And I found myself being like, fuck it, this is me. Right. And like on the crowded train, right. When like somebody's face is like right fucking here. Right. Cause the train's coming. And I, but like, I, you know, I'm like, whatever, I brought out my fidget, I fidgeted because like I need to and fuck, who the fuck cares if somebody, yes, you know, exactly. Yeah. But we're yeah. getting places at MSG. They had when I was walking by uh, one of these like customer service, they had sensory bags there. They had uh, they had bags with, um uh, you know, uh, noise canceling stuff and fidget stuff. Right. Amazing. So like, you know, what's, and, what's MSG? Oh, Madison Square Garden. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah. Um, the greatest place in the universe so yes i have been there i just wasn't familiar with the acronym <laughs> my uh <laughs> my therapist kid is going to like this summer camp and the the kid is neurodivergent and so they were talking about like how that gets accommodated and things like that and the the camp was like listen when we do fireworks we got a sensory bag for everybody like you know Amazing. like and and it's like it, they don't we don't ask if like you know you have an use there's a bag if you want right yeah. and it, it it's that idea of like we should just have ramps. Yes. Yes. And everybody, should, yes. everybody should use ramps. There's like no need for oh. stairs, right? Because yeah. ramps, ramps help everybody. So make them all ramps, right? Really? So make earplugs available to everybody, right? So that's, that's one of the ways that like, one of the ways of making a neurodivergent friendly world yeah. is, you know, it, it's sometimes counterintuitive for folks because it's about universalizing what works for us because it'll work for everybody. So interesting. I'm, I'm two things are coming to mind that are totally opposing thoughts, which is when I broke both feet at the beginning of COVID, I was, I used a wheelchair and then a walker and then crutches. And so I moved, uh, I realized for the first time in my life, how inaccessible and how wheelchair unfriendly the world mm-hmm. is i shattered my ankle in 2018 and had similar experiences yeah. wild yeah. i just our sidewalks are in such 
terrible. Like it was, it was basically impossible to go anywhere and do anything. And that is a huge problem. And so I tried to start doing some advocacy work there. Um, it's, it's tough. And then my other thought is that uh, as a person with anaphylaxis, I feel very strongly that it is my own responsibility to deal with my allergy. So I feel I totally disagree with nut free environments. Mm. I think that is a false security because mm. there could be anybody with nuts around on their hands or not like ignoring the rules. And I just, just the child or the whoever person should know things like don't don't you put it in your mouth unless you know where it came from <laughs> which is applicable right? to so many areas of life <laughs> or where it's been if we're talking about that but yeah like i just i really think i don't know if it's like helicopter parenting or what the movement is of this thing where like it's teaching kids that they should expect everybody else to take care of them. Anyway, those are the two things that came to mind. There's no Just such thing as security. Yeah, <laughs> right? basically. Uh, um, I think for, for schools, you know, and the elementary schools do it, uh, some, some of them around here, um, it's kind of a CYA thing, you know, cover your ass. Yeah. Right. right. Like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. If they make it, if they make everything not free, they, you know, they don't have to worry about whatever. Right. So, I mean, right. And then but the it's... person, the person who violated the rules by bringing the nut lunch, it's on oh, them, okay. not on, the, not on the right. school. Right. You know what I mean? So it's kind of yes. like that sometimes, you know? So. Yeah. I never thought about that. You're, that's totally sure. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. And Interesting. Another thing that I read about in unmasking autism that I think is coming up in so many folks that I, that I talk to, is the the overlap um disproportionate overlap between neurodivergent folks and so many other things um which is sometimes yeah. why like it, it's hard to you know parse out what what acronym are the symptoms coming from right because there's so there's an overlap <laughs> like with autism uh, adhd cpsd ocd yeah. bpd you know uh depression anxiety right like it's just like addiction and, and, and eating disorders and other things like that. There's, we're more prone to that, et cetera. Right. One of the other like overlaps we have is in like, is, you know, kink culture and the queer community. Right. And, yeah. Um, you're, yeah. A, you're a rainbow comrade. Right. And I sure am. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I was just going to say, I learned in. So that was part one of this episode featuring my interview with my friend Rosie. So hang on for part two. We get into all sorts of uh, other topics as well. And uh, I hope, uh, hope you enjoyed this one and I hope you'll enjoy the next. <laughs>